Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the three-part arc, There's No Business Like Snow Business, as well as the four-episode Arrowhead arc, is one of the hosts of the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast and a returning guest, Joe Marcello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. It's my pleasure to be here. Last time you were here, very early on in this podcast, although I ended up holding the episode a bit after... I put everything on pause following the tragic passing of Jason David Frank. But the last time you were here, we talked about the Boom Studios comics and we had a wonderful chat and the comics are fantastic. But I was like, I got to have you back to actually talk about the show because that's that's where all of this starts. And so I'm very happy to have you back here. And we're now in the middle part of our Zio trilogy, three podcast episodes looking at key episodes and arcs from Zio. And I know we are similarly aligned in that we both stopped watching the franchise yeah. back in the day during Zio. I know a little bit now because we were just talking off mic, but you had a revelation as you were watching these episodes. Yes. Yeah. So I was watching these and I started to really look at them and I was, lo- I'm looking at them again as older, a little bit more wiser, more experienced, I guess. And I realized that there was a quality drop off with this, with the Zio um, seasons season. And I don't know if that that's a lot to say as it pertains to the Power Rangers, I think, because there was a certain amount of quality or lack thereof just originally because, you know, of the way the show was created. And it seemed like there was a bit of a drop off with with Zio. Now, I don't know if that just because there was a lot of um, a lot of change going on behind the scenes between characters and 
story-wise and, you know, they're trying to, you know, Saban Entertainment is trying to keep it, the train moving along, but it just, it's, there was a different feel beyond just the whole characterization and, you know, it's, it's no longer Mighty Morphin, it's Zeo, et cetera. So as, you know, as we mentioned earlier, I'm looking at this and I'm like, there's stuff I don't really remember. Not that I expect to remember everything, but I'm like, this is a, I think this was about where I stopped watching back in the day. And I remember, I remember uh, Turbo, which was after this, as I recall. And that was it. Like that was, that was a hard, that was the line drawn in the sand and I was done because I remember watching Turbo like on VHS or something, uh, never in the theaters, but um, yeah, and that was it. So to dive, dive back into this was, it was interesting and, you know, kind of analyzing it more with a, um, a production eye versus just a fan eye. Um, yeah. So it was a little interesting. I don't, I don't know what you, what your take is. I know you're, we may actually have differing opinions on this. one. <laughs> I think we might, but I, but I completely understand why. And I just want to say thank you for, for joining me generally, but especially for doing these episodes, because even for me in this podcast, these episodes we're looking at are a little bit of an outlier, as I've been saying many times and has been clear from, from what people know we've been talking about. Essentially, what I've been rewatching have been the so-called the bigger episodes, right? The ones that have more of an impact on the overall arc of the shows and the mythology. We've been looking at episodes where rangers have left and when they've gotten new powers and new zords and new villains, that's primarily what we've been revisiting and discussing. And right. as I say in almost every episode, it's I think it's given me a little bit of a skewed perspective because I'm watching the biggest episodes. I'm like, this show's amazing. It's like, there's all, these, right. all this amazing stuff happening. And I've been skipping a lot of the more run-of-the-mill episodes. What we looked at here, I would say, kind of falls somewhere in between because we do have a three-parter. There's no business like Snow Business. And then the, again, I'm just calling it the Arrowhead arc. That doesn't even have, a, you know, a, an overall, you know, a title or anything like that. It's not Arrowhead Part 1 or anything like that. They're four right. largely standalone episodes. The last two, you know, do have a to-be-continued and, or the third, you know, the second to last has a to-be-continued. Uh, but Tommy's quest, his vision quest, uh, the, the, the meeting of his long-lost brother, all of that carries throughout those four episodes. So they really form a nice little arc. And when you look at these seven episodes together, very a very personal Tommy-centric run of episodes. So it's a step above, I would say, than just the typical standalone run-of-the-mill episode, but not, not quite the height of something like a Zeo beginning or Master Vile in the metallic armor, or things like that right. that we've been talking about. Right. You got more into the characters, which was that that in and of itself is a breath of fresh air as it pertains to Power Rangers, because you never really I mean, you really didn't have much depth to the characters um, beyond, let's say, oh, Tommy and Kimberly like each other, you know, stuff like that. Um, so now you're getting into, OK, there's these these characters have a they have family and there, there's more to them. Um, there's one thing I wanted to, to ask you as a fan and as someone who is a fan of Power Rangers and um, Tommy, his voice, the tone of his voice seems very unnatural. And 
even when he's having these quote unquote revelations and meeting a brother with the exception of the time when he's fighting his voice doesn't there's no inflection to his voice whatsoever and it drives like i wish someone would step on his toe at least so i can hear him like oh my god you know oh i have a brother none of that he's like oh well okay like very soft spoken but it's very evenly toned i'm like it's very unnatural I know exactly what you're talking about and (laughs) you, you framed it and you phrased it better than I would have been able to. And I'm, so I'm glad you got there first because I was thinking that as I was watching and these episodes, especially because again, it is a very personal look at him. I mean, over the course of there's no business like snow business, he gets the dear John letter from Kimberly, who of course had previously left delivered to the, to the, to the, um, angel Grove youth center too, by the way, not his house. But it's mailed there. Oh, there's a lot we need to talk about with that letter. But <laughs> in that arc, <laughs> he's nursing a broken heart as feelings are starting to emerge from Cat towards Tommy, while Tommy himself right. is having a little bit of a spark with this uh, professional snowboarder, Heather Thompson, played by Sarah Brown, who came over from the VR Troopers show. Yeah. And we get a lot of these you know, lengthy sequences of snowboarding. And we'll, t- we'll talk about that. This probably this could have been a two-parter. Um, <laughs> this was this one of my main was, takeaways. This was just a long, juicy fruit commercial. Yes, essentially. It was, uh, oh, man. And then in the subsequent arc, again, Tommy has all of this inner turmoil. And he goes on this vision quest. And he, and he meets the brother he never knew he had. And so there's, and that's, I think, what I was most struck by and looking at this seven episode block and what I was actually most impressed by despite whatever limitations we we might have seen especially in terms of the 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 writing or the acting but the fact that again I don't know that we've seen stories to this level before there's usually some sort of personal struggle that a character has I mean even going back to episode two of Mighty Morphin when Trini had her fear of heights and she had Mm -hmm. to get over it to help Billy there's always some sort of personal problem that they have that they need to work through but you know again they're usually more superficial so here a broken heart long lost family member i appreciated the territory that they were going into Mm -hmm. but the kind of the upshot of that is it it required i think a little bit a little bit more on the acting side than perhaps was able to be achieved because i i was thinking about that too and and the voice and what i kept going back to was and this probably maybe isn't isn't even the most accurate word, but but whiny. I mean, I just felt like everything he was saying just had had that tone to it. Yeah, or lack of tone, really. I mean, it, he was dead. He was dead inside. I mean, that's there was more reaction and feeling out of. Um, I keep forgetting her name. Cat? The snowboard. Oh, Heather. no, the snowboard Heather. Out of her being stood up, more or less. Uh, but like the second or third time, like she was like, are you kidding me? Like, okay, look, there's some emotion. That's how you're supposed to feel. Meanwhile, he got a dear John letter at the youth center in the middle of his workout from a girl that he was actually legit dating. And that's all you got to do. Like, oh, okay, man. I'm put down my weights. Oh man. Uh, it's a lot of that. I get it. Yeah. Uh. Now I've seen him speak in real life. And his voice does get louder and soft. I mean, come on, guys. Like, let's do it. Yeah, I, I think this this just might be an instance of we, we've kind of hit a wall as far as acting ability. You know, maybe also yeah. 
some shortcomings in the direction department because I don't know, maybe with the right coaching, something more could have been elicited. I don't know. I I still come back to, um, I think there was there, you know, it, yes, there, there certainly there was a, a, an acting issue there. Um, but I think, you know, that also falls on the shoulders of the director and producers because they're the people behind the scenes making this happen. So I think through things I've read over the years, like, you know, that whole show was in a bit of like a, they were unsure of what to do and they didn't know how they were necessarily going to proceed because, you know, okay, we have, we've exhausted the mighty morphin stuff and what we could do with that. How are we going to go forward? And I, I get, you know, I know they had their plans of, okay, well, there's other teams and other incarnations of this. How are we going to do that? And I guess there was some uncertainty behind the scenes. So I think maybe the show suffered as a result of that because, you know, afterwards, like the show hit their stride and it did kind of peak and valley a few times over the years. And now I guess they're really kind of sailing along. Um, I mean, I haven't really watched the newest version of whatever my son watches. He seems to like it, but it's, they certainly have much more production, you know, higher production value. Uh, they shoot more of their own footage versus repurposing old stuff. So, yeah, I think maybe, you know, it was, you know, maybe a little bit of both. Well, this is certainly an interesting time. And we talked about this in the last episode where we covered the transition from Mighty Morphin to Zeo. And this mm-hmm. is kind of a unique spot, I guess, in the in the history of the franchise, because as we talked about, like they held back so long on switching the powers and the costumes to keep that familiarity and that consistency. But then again, they had yeah. exhausted the footage. And look, I think they finally realized, well, hey, we have an opportunity to sell all new toys. So they finally right. pulled the trigger and shifted to Zio. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on this in the last episode. I, I think they did a great job of kind of creating that transition and carrying you along and making you just feel like this was all one story. But then I guess the flip side of it and this is where this diverges. Well, I guess it'll continue into Turbo, but you know, very shortly after this, they'll they'll start adhering to the you know new cast, new costumes, new powers every season. But it's like they were still hanging on to our cast and our our ongoing storyline. But but again, like I said, I mean, they, I did feel like they were at least moving into newer territory here and, and a little bit more mature yeah. material, uh, still within the confines of you know a Fox Kids right. show. But I did appreciate right. it. But listen, we, we got to talk about this Dear John letter. <laughs> yes. So, of course, as we've talked about when we did our big Pink Ranger episode, Kimberly had departed. She's going to train uh, for the for the Olympics and gymnastics. And everyone was really supportive. One of the things that I kind of bumped up against in Kimberly's farewell, I love that Tommy was supportive. Great. But there was <laughs> not a word of discussion about their relationship, right? There wasn't, there wasn't even anything like, oh, like, you know, we'll stay together and write each other. Or I got to let you yeah. go, Kim. Like maybe we'll, you know, we'll link up down the line. Like there was nothing one way or the other. And again, I'm skipping episodes. So I don't know if there was any reference in other episodes of Tommy keeping in touch, them doing a long distance thing. My gut is probably not. I, you know, <laughs> it probably wasn't. There was one episode and this wasn't Zio. This was like the kind of in between um, Mighty Morphin and Zio. I think where they had the uh, oh the Alien Rangers, um, the Alien Rangers, and uh, it, it was around there. I'm not probably not being exact with it, but it was around there. And there was a scene where 
they're kind of the new Rangers are off like looking to oh, during that like teen summit nonsense that was going on. And, you know, Jason and Kimberly and who else was it? Trini. Oh, well, so that's well, so Alien Rangers was, you know, after those characters had long departed. But so if it was still Jason, Zach and Trini. But they revisited those characters at some point. So they go to see them and they're off in the distance. And there's a shot of the three characters like kind of walking away. And you just see like a, a behind behind the head shot of them. And they're kind of like waving to them like, oh, look, there they are. They're doing great. I'm like that. That's it. That's how you're going to you're going to bring back those characters or revisit them. Of course, it wasn't until like, you know, Zio really gets going. They bring back uh, Jason as the the gold ranger or something. But like that was the only like revisiting of those characters you saw until really Jason came back. So it was really weak. Um, you know, certainly could have been done better, but whatever. But to your point, and I, I wasn't even thinking about this, but you're right. The fact that the letter gets sent to the juice bar, although in fairness, they are always there. So I guess if you're Kimberly and you're <laughs> like, I want him to get this as quickly as possible, that probably yeah, is no, the place to send it. I'll, I'll, I'll go yeah. with that. What got me, you should was, get it in front of everybody. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, he's, he's working out which you and I, but we can both appreciate that. And he's got another set that. left, but yeah. We know sets don't take that long, no. you know, and it was one of those things when he hands it to Adam and he's like, oh, I got to do this set, like read it, you know, read it to me. I'm thinking to myself, of course, clearly he's not anticipating that it's a breakup letter. However, maybe there's something in there, personal, intimate, whatever the case may be. Again, it's still a kid's show. It's very chaste. I'm not suggesting anything crazy here, but- anything just something private between the two of them the fact that and look we need we need to get to the point where the rest of the rangers learn this i get that but it was just so bonkers to me (laughs) instead of waiting the 30 seconds to knock out his set and then read it quietly privately it's like oh adam read this aloud to the juice bar insane no (laughs) adam my pre-workout is wearing off let's do this now let me get the set in but let's you know you read the letter. It's fine. No, there's nothing in there. Yeah, it's um, so much of that bothered me. Uh, and like, you know, inside, I was kind of uh, upset at the fact that the two of them, even though they, you know, she was never on the show for a while anyway. But, you know, the, the idea of them where they, they broke up, I'm like, oh, that's kind of sad. You know, <laughs> I'm like, come on, Kim, the Pink Ranger. She was my girl. What are you talking about? So it was, uh, you know. But then those, I don't know, those cat feelings kind of spontaneously grew, you know, out of nowhere. Listen, Didn't take long. We know from the lore of the show that they end up together. They have a they have a kid together, JJ, in the future. So yeah. we know we know where we're headed. There's the I think it's this season in Zio with the Christmas episode, and it's Tommy as an old man talking to his grandkid and telling him a story about the Power Rangers, and then you know we mm. see his wife come in and it's cat. So it's like we, you know, the lore has established these two. And I know a lot of people, again, we, we, we all had crushes on Amy Jo Johnson watching the show. And a lot of people are all about Tommy and Kim, but I got to tell you, especially after rewatching, cause I watched this as a kid, but I really didn't remember a lot of this rewatching mm-hmm. this three-parter. I am. And I don't care if this is a hot take controversial people disagree. That's totally <laughs> fine. Do I it. am team cat. I am full on team cat. The way she stepped out, stepped up, put Tommy's feelings first. 
And we'll get into all of that. I was so impressed. And hand in hand with that, man, did Kim do him dirty with that letter. Yeah. I mean, look, delivering that news via letter as opposed to a call. And look, different time period. They're not going to FaceTime or whatever. But it's like, still, you could add a phone call. But what she says in that letter, it was threefold. (laughs) So the fact that she, yeah. She starts off with, uh, you know, we, we, you know, you've always meant a lot to me, like a brother, like a brother. Yeah, oh, friend zoned right off the bat. Yeah, but even worse. I mean, like, <laughs> I would have understood it more if she's like, you're my best friend, but like a brother. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. like salt in the wound. And met yeah. someone else, which, yep. look, that happens. It is a, but, but, but that's that's a tough pill to swallow. But then, oh, where she lost me entirely was. I think you'd like him. Get out of here with that. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe yeah. it. I could, that, that was the, that was the last straw for me. Done. Yeah. It was the one, two and uppercut. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, really? I would call her up. Really? I'm going to like him. I'm going to like him. Why? Why am I going to like him so much? Tell me why. Cause he has long hair too. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you'd like, I mean, she doesn't say this explicitly, but like the implication maybe, you know, you guys are similar. It's like, no, don't tell me that. That's worse. Like, I would rather hear you say like, oh, I met somebody who's like completely different from you as opposed to like someone who's just like you. I just, I just prefer him. Oh man. Yeah. So, yeah still, was, still upset was, about this. <laughs> yeah. If we ever run into her at like a convention, I'm going to be like, do you, what, what were you thinking? Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was messed up. Because I know, like, if that happened in real life, you know, it would be, you know, you'd you buy a calling card and you would call Australia or wherever the hell it was. She was in like, Florida. I, don't care. I mean, <laughs> or, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Florida. I mean, it, yeah, it was it was um, it was weird. It, it was weird. Well, it's yeah. I guess Tommy's default is just he gets very sad, and we have my goodness, what an epic montage at the lake. As he's reminiscing, but listen mm-hmm. I, again. I, and I know we can look. We're we're having some fun at the show's expense, and we can lean into that even more. And I know it's easy to do, and I I get that. But I gotta tell you, and maybe because I've been watching so many of these, like I've been sucked back in, and I'm just like, <laughs> I can suspend my disbelief and get into it. But I'm watching it, and I I felt for him as he was walking along and and throwing the rocks oh, into yeah. the lake, and the music's playing. Well, I don't even know what yep. song that was. I tried to find it, but I, I couldn't. I, I don't know, but it, it I equated it to, and I don't know if you were a fan of this, but it was my life. It was my uh, Highlander dust in the wind scene. <laughs> uh, if you when uh, Adrian Paul's, uh, you know, Duncan McLeod's uh, girlfriend Tessa dies, and there's a whole remembering montage, and they play dust in the wind. It reminded me exactly of that, and I'm like, wow, it's just a worse song. So, you know, but here's the thing, like they never really, you know, with, with the exception of the two giving each other looks here and there, or when she, when, you know, he became, when he made the transition of leaving as the green ranger coming back as the white ranger, they never really dove into that relationship. So it was kind of refreshing to see like, there's legit a, an on-screen relationship building between Kat and Tommy, you know, like the, you can see some affection between these two characters and, you know, with the exception of, like I said, just looks and maybe a kiss here and there, like there wasn't really a substantial relationship. So, you know, I don't know. 
No, I agree. That's but that the thing. Was up. But like, that's one of the things I was kind of, I've been tracking as I've been rewatching the episodes that I, that I have been of you know, what, what sort of relationship did Tommy and Kim have? Cause again, I feel like it's talked about more than anything shown, but it's like, yeah, they, they would often have plans. Like in fairness to the show, it's like Tommy would be meeting her at the juice bar to go, you know, have a picnic or go to the picnic, mall or something. Right. Like, so they did, you know, again, very, you know, very, uh, you know, very, very chaste and, and, and all that. But it's like they did have plans. They'd have little dates and stuff like that. But as far as what, like, that's the thing. Was it the level of relationship that then would warrant that kind of breakup letter and his reaction? Like, I, I don't know that the show really ever established, but listen, I, I'll go along yeah. with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it was they they didn't have the time really to really flush out that whole relationship thing and i think that they didn't realize how important it was to to fans until after the fact because you know conventions and uh meet and greets with fans i mean they they had them back in the day but not like now or like every month or every other week there is another convention or something going on. So, you know, now we reminisce about it and like that was, you know, that that broke my heart. So it's no, for sure. So from very early on, from the moment that Tommy gets that news, we we get the first in what will be a series throughout uh, these three episodes of of, uh, of reaction shots from a cat, right? So it it quickly mm-hmm. becomes clear that she, she has she feels a certain way about what's happened, and that these feelings are developing. I give the I give them a lot of credit. And it was Douglas Sloan who wrote and directed all three of these. I give them credit because, especially for a kid show that didn't really spend a lot of time on this side of things, right? Mm-hmm it would have been really easy to just launch like right into a Tommy and cat story. And instead we get the introduction of this Heather character because, you know, Billy and cat have this idea. They would, you know, take Tommy snowboarding to take his mind off of everything. Uh, so they go up to the mountains and, uh, and then they meet again, Heather who, who again came over from the, the VR troop. Did you watch VR troopers by any chance? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, there were a bunch of these shows that were out at the time and I would check them out here and there. Um, and uh, yeah, I watch VR troopers a little, uh, mainly for, for her. <laughs> I thought she was cute. I think she went on to like general hospital or something like that afterwards. She went into like legit acting. She, you know, what she reminded so. me of, especially watching her in, in these Sarah chalk from scrubs and Roseanne. Like she just reminded me a little bit of that yeah. look and I love Sarah chalk, but, uh, yeah, VR troopers, I, I watched some of it. Like, I definitely remember watching some of it, but it was not something that was, like, huge for me like Power Rangers was. But I, you know, I have some memory of it, you know, some some yeah. little connection to yeah, it. Yeah, it was, it, it's very much of the time, you know, it was VR and um, computers and Matrixy and stuff like that, which at the time was a big thing. Um, you know, we're getting at the time closer and closer to um, uh, Y2K you know, like these are all things that are on the horizon. So that was a big deal at the time. And it kind of died, I think, after like a season or two. It wasn't, you know, it didn't really go on beyond that. But I like that she was involved. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was cool to see her pop up on this. And so 
once we get past the whole business of, of the breakup letter, really the bulk of these three episodes, uh, again, we have this, uh, you know, trip to the mountains, uh, where they meet Heather. And again, we get a lot of extended sequences of snowboarding. I, I almost yes. timed it. <laughs> just like, man, I feel like we were, we were on those slopes for, for quite some time. Again, longer than we really needed to. That's my main critique of this three-parter. I think as two parts, it would have been great. And even when you look at the, the, the villain side of, of the, of this three-parter, we have the, uh, robo Cupid, uh, mm-hmm. monster that Mondo creates to <clears throat> cause the citizens of Angel Grove to fall in love with machines. So, you know, we get Ernie caressing a blender and Lieutenant Stone fondling an arcade machine. It's weird. It's a little weird, but, uh, we have that and that, that takes us through two episodes and then that villain is dispatched with, and then Mondo instantly launches into, well, I'm, you know, while they're still recovering from this fight, I'm gonna throw another one at them. And it's the defoliator, uh, who starts killing plants and has this greenhouse effect and, and raises the temperature throughout Angel Grove. So it yeah. just, it, it, again, I think when you just, even in, in terms of how the villains played out in this, I, I feel like two parts probably would have served the story a little better. So I'm, I'm glad you brought the, um, the, the, uh, the greenhouse stuff in because it seemed like all, okay, all of a sudden now this season is starting to bring in more um, like, uh, you know, issues like contemporary issues. Okay. The environment um, we get into discussing native Americans and their involvement, you know, in the community and the land and how, you know, how they, you know, respect the land and all that sort of thing. So like there was more of that, um, being incorporated into the show versus any other season before. So um, I was like, okay, they're taking, you know, they're taking some liberties now with kind of the messaging and stuff like that, which I, you know, I'm fine with because, you know, kids learn this. And if kids are going to find out that, Hey, I need to respect my environment and, you know, learn to recycle and take care of the the planet so we can reduce, you know, greenhouse gases. I'm all for it, but um, it just, it, I think they could do a better job in how to incorporate these messages into the show versus hitting you over the head with, well, yes, these are greenhouse gases and we need to reduce them by recycling and all. I'm like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. Yes, it's 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 a bit on the nose, especially when they're in the command center, the power chamber, and all of the rangers are sharing what they know. And Zordon's like, oh, you're all very well informed. I'm proud of you. It's like, all right, (laughs) but. Thanks, Again, I, I appreciate the intent, even if maybe it could have done with a more a more subtle approach. But but I was still on board with it. But uh, so. So, again, I mean, you know, we so this is, you know, kind of the setup for these episodes. And, uh, it, you know, Heather seems to take a liking to Tommy uh, pretty early on, certainly even more so after he saves her. Uh, so there's this whole sequence where the cogs are sent to the mountains and I, this, this made me chuckle, uh, you know, cat has to contend with them and their whole evil plan is to move the safety markers from the slopes, which, I mean, it, it proves to be effective because without that Heather actually, you know, careens off the mountain and she's holding on to yep. this one lone branch, uh, until Tommy has the idea to tie everyone's coats together and, and, and make a rope. And again, that further endears him uh, to her and she's seems to be quite smitten. He's again, not, not really feeling it, but uh, it kind of goes along with it a, 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 a little bit, but and who would have thought they'd be such good snowboarders too? 
they're just good at everything. I mean, it's like when you go back to the to the Mighty Morphin movie and it starts with them skydiving and then rollerblade. Like they like they land and then they just start rollerblading. Yeah. They're good at everything. <laughs> and, but the the cogs too, they were like snowboarding. They even had like the the cheesy like 90 spiky hats. Yeah. You know? I'm like, wow, they just need the giant pants too. And they're all like in the in the uh the decade, man. I, I guess they uh you know, they could be programmed with these various skills. So I, this is true. Yes. yes I, I could go along with that, but it just felt again, they did create quite the danger in removing the markers, mm-hmm. but it just felt like, like real small potatoes for these evil machines. Like that was their yes. objective. <laughs> yeah. I, I, let's face it as it pertains to evil, um, uh, you know, the henchmen, if they really wanted to do something, they could create an avalanche. Or, you know, like, I don't know. I think that was that was one of the things that really um, stuck out at me about the new, uh, you know, the um, anniversary show is that they said kill. Yes. You know, they never said usually say, you know, something, you know, kill adjacent. Oh, I'm going to destroy them. I'll get them. You know, that type of stuff. And Rita was like, no, I'm going to kill them. OK. And I killed the yellow ranger. I kill training. Like, Oh wow. They're not holding back. So it was, um, you know, I think new Rita probably could have kicked the old Rita's ass. Yeah. That special definitely, definitely raised the stakes and, and, and yeah. certainly, you know, the gloves were off, uh, compared to, you know, what, what we had experienced as, as kids watching this. Yeah. So we get, you know, there are a few instances now, I guess it happens first here on the slopes after they save uh, Heather. It happens later when uh, Tommy and Heather have plans for dinner and it happens yet again in one of the later episodes when uh, after Kat sets up that beautiful dinner uh, for, Mm -hmm. for, for Tommy and Heather where Tommy has to go off on Ranger business. And it's the classic superhero thing. It's, it's, you know, Clark Kent needing to make an excuse. Oh, I forgot I had a haircut appointment. I gotta go. But you know, Tommy doesn't even go that far. He, I don't know why this bothered me so much, but it's just like each time he's like, ah, we got to go. And she's like, why? He's like, I, I wish I could explain before I give my whole But what, how did you feel about that? It was lame. <laughs> it was really lame. I mean, it's again, no feeling. And she, she just met this guy and she is exuding all this emotion like, you're kidding me again. You're doing this, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I got to go. I'm just going outside, but I got to go. And it was, um, yeah, it was kind of lame. Wait, you, you know, know what, like, actually, again, no, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but like now I have a question yeah. because in my mind, I was reading Tommy during all of the Heather interactions as like, he's not really into her, whether it's because he's still just too hung up and caught up with, with the breakup. And or he's, you know, I don't know. He's just not that into her. But now, as we talk more about the performance, I don't know. Was that your reading or do you think he was meant to be, but it just wasn't coming across? I I think he, well, as a person who has, you know, you know, just as a human being, he was in a relationship, just broke up. And you would think that natural instincts He's not really into her. You know, he's trying to move on with his life, but he's, he's like, you know, internally he's like, oh, this is 
happening a little too fast. I'm still trying to process the feelings that I had, you know, but at the same time, I'm a superhero and I got to do this thing. So, you know, that's a lot for anyone to, you know, just trying to equate that. Like if you're in a relationship, you break up with somebody, but at the same time, you're dealing with a crisis of, let's say, a sick relative or something like that, or someone passing away, you got to process this. But at the same time, your other relationships are suffering. So that's how I was kind of equating it. But at the same time, he moves on relatively fast to Kat right afterwards. So all that that I had processed, I'm like, no, it's right out the window. He wasn't into her. That's the only thing I could think of, because if he has no problem warming up to Kat, you know, then maybe it's just he wasn't into her all that much. You know, this is not stated explicitly, and I'm probably reading too much into it. But you know what? If we're going to psychoanalyze a little bit here, he just got broken up with by this gymnast, this Olympic Olympian yeah. in training, right? I mean, if we want to look at it adult-wise, come on. <laughs> and that, well, and now the well, I don't know. <laughs> we're going down, yeah. down uh, different avenues there, but but no, what I was She's thinking is, it's like, but now here's this professional snowboarder, right? Yeah. Like another athlete who's training. I don't know. I feel like he was probably like, no, like this is I've been down this road before, sort of thing. Yeah, but isn't Cat somewhat of an athlete? I mean, she like yes, it had been I mean, established she was the swimmer. She was she was like an Olympian Olympic swimmer. And then she, she hurt herself diving uh, in a dive and then she quit swimming for a long time and then she got back in, but I don't think she ever fully, fully got back into it. I I think there was, I don't know, maybe enough of a separation there. I don't know. But what I was going to say was the lack of any kind of excuse as to why he had to leave really bothered me because, and no one helps him. You know, this is the other thing. Yeah, Billy, I feel really dropped the ball as a wingman here because all they could have said, any one of them could have said to Heather, like, oh, we have a job. We have an after school job. We whatever. And you make up anything. Oh, and which is honestly not even really a lie. No, no, it's not. It's all in the wording. Exactly. So, again, not to nitpick. And I guess maybe the counter argument is, you know, Zordon wouldn't want them to lie, maybe. So that's why. But it's just, it's so awkward to just be like, oh, I have to go. Why? I can't tell you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't tell you. You don't really know me, but just trust me enough to know that I got to do a thing, but it's worth it. You know, like that's, it's, you know, it's a little weak in that sense. So you know, yeah, the and they were right there. They were right behind them, too. They could have been like, yo, your uncle is dying, you know, or something to that effect. I don't think Zordon would have, would have been like, oh, you lied to her. You know, that's not nice. I'm like, well, Kimberly broke up with me. That wasn't nice either. So I know I feel like know. He, I feel like if Billy had made up an excuse for Zordon would have been like that. Like, good job. Like you were a good bro today, Billy. Yeah, I feel like Zordon would have been on. I feel like Zordon would have been fine with that. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at Patreon.com/slash Anthony Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the one dollar level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC movie rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, 
we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies. So the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Zordon, I'm going to jump around a little bit here because there were two things that really struck me in this seven-episode stretch. So when... Tommy and Kat, when they, I forget at which, at which point it is that they leave when this happens, but when they join the rest of the Zeo Rangers in battle against, why do I keep blanking on this monster's name? Robo Cupid, right? Yeah. One of the core tenets of Zordon's philosophy, right? There's the three rules. And we've heard this multiple times. Every time someone new comes on, you don't reveal your identity. You don't use your powers for personal gain and you don't escalate a conflict. And with Robo Cupid, you know, typically, as as we all know, the sequence with these fights is they fight the monsters on the ground and the monster grows. Then they call the Zords. Right. They call the Zeo Zords before, before RoboCupid grew. And they use that yeah. wheel. I mean, so in fairness, it wasn't like they just tried to stomp, but, they, but still, I feel like the calling of the Zords was an escalation in violation of Zordon's rule. I mean, I, I want to get your take and audience. If uh, Maybe I'm being too harsh here but or too much of a stickler with these rules, but I feel like that that was a violation. Yeah, there were, there, there's a formula to these shows. You know, they, they, uh, they fight the foot soldiers or, you know, the, the, the bad guys group of, of, of soldiers. Then they morph, then it escalates, <laughs> they fight the monster, the monster physically gets larger. Then they call the Zords. The Zords come together. Da da da. Um, and things were out of sequence in this. So they they introduced this stupid wheel, which was weird. But the do you know what really put me off about this is that so after between Mighty Morphin and then when you know they get new Zords and Mighty Morphin, each time they they're more or less leveling up. They get stronger and stronger. Their Zords are stronger than the previous incarnation, etc. In Zeo, there are Zords quite literally towing the legs of the uh, of this configuration. How is that in any way beneficial? <laughs> That's a fair point. Th- that in of itself makes no sense to me. Let alone the fact that they have a giant stupid pyramid that all it does is tilt and it just is a big fat robot. 
which comes out, I don't know, once, twice, you know, like it doesn't make sense. Like the person who's designing this, like, or, you know, decided to make this translation between Japanese and the U S for, you know, merchandising sake, it was silly because it never really made sense to me. And the, um, the, the, I actually, the one thing that was kind of goofy, but actually made sense in terms of functionality was the red, like the new red, um, the battle Zord battle Zord, which in and of itself makes sense because it's a functional robotic looking thing that mimics the, the driver's motions. So of course he, he had to clear his mind for it to work properly. Otherwise it looked like it was batting a giant bee or something like that. But that made sense, you know, not like a griffin or, you know, uh, some other mythical creature that just doesn't do anything and it's not towing legs. So like it just, it, that bumped into me. I bumped into that a bit while watching this, but that's just me being a curmudgeon, I think. No, I I get it. I mean, I think it's, I think maybe one way we can sort of reconcile it is that for the American show, they, they made Zio the next level but that was not right the original intention that was just another sentai series right so right but here it was like oh now you're more powerful and you better zords and you know maybe that wasn't necessarily the the intention but yeah it is hard to see how the the pulling would necessarily be be a strategic advantage but and yeah that was sorry and this was a little off topic but it's, it's just in relation to the new the new um show um once and always is that you come to find out that all of these teams kind of coexist. Yes. Like they're all out there in one form or another. They're all there. And of course there were some continuity issues I had because I thought we got rid of Mighty Morphin. Like they were done, but they keep popping up. You know, anytime there's an anniversary or like the all red team, they're all there. Like, okay but and tommy has like the the master you know legacy the master morpher which i will say that was just awesome um but i thought we got rid of all those powers at some point but he's still the green ranger (laughs) yeah we i mean we talked about that we did once and always i feel like especially seeing in once and always the role that billy had assumed within the organization I, yeah. I, I kind of chalk it up to like, he figured out how to bring these powers back and this yeah. just happened off screen and that's how they've been able to do it. So, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that was something that I always thought about whenever we got one of those legacy episodes, one of those anniversary specials. And it was just like, wait, how, how, how is this happening? Yeah. But suspension of disbelief. like I said, that, that to me felt like a violation of one of the rules. And then I'm going to skip ahead to the Arrowhead arc. Tommy reveals his identity to his brother. He, re- he takes off mm-hmm. his helmet as the red Zeo Ranger and reveals that yeah. he's Tommy. And I get it. I don't begrudge him his decision. And ultimately, I think Zordon would understand as well. But it was shocking to me that it was not acknowledged in any way in the episode. And it could have they could have taken any number of, of tracks. It could have been Tommy. Like, Tommy could have gotten ahead of it and said to Zordon, like, hey, oh, man, like... <laughs> I revealed my identity. Like, I'm sorry, Zordon. I know that's one of your, it goes against one of your rules. And I'm sure Zordon would have said, well, it's okay. It's an exception. Uh, yeah. Or, or if, you know, Zordon had brought it up to him, I mean, what, however they had, they had handled it, but to just not address it at all felt odd. They could always do it in some, in any creative way. Like there's an emergency. He, he morphs 
and his brother is just out of eyesight from Tommy and he sees him do it or, you know, there's an emergency happening right then and there. He has to do it, you know, or everyone's going to be harmed. You know, like those are believable things regardless of the, you know, of the, you know, the rules, you know, even green lanterns will, you know, power up if they have to Superman will take off his Clark Kent get up if he has to given the situation. So, you know, they could have done it creatively better rather than just have him have a, the dude have a hissy fit and have him back him down by taking off his helmet. No, that's fair. I mean, again, it didn't even bother me so much how it happened, but I, you know, I don't disagree with you. I think there are other ways they could have done it. It was just, I just feel like we've had, it's been such a big deal about these rules and I, it, it just felt like yeah. a missed opportunity to address a, or he a could violation. Have said, he could have said, he was like, Oh, Tommy's in trouble. I got it. And he could have said, no, 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 no. I, I got him. He's, he's good. Like I, I just, I moved him from there to there. He's fine. Now let me go bring you to him. You know, like they could have done that, he, you know, rather than like, no dude, chill here. Look, I'm him, you know, like any, any, there's so many other ways that they could have handled that better. I know. Well, Ty, Tommy was all messed up in that arc, which we'll get more into in, in a second. I just going back to snow business. And we, again, we're talking about the, the lameness of, of Tommy, uh, you know, trying to uh, get away from Heather to go be a power ranger. It did lead though to, what I felt was a like a genuinely funny moment where they're about to enjoy their dinner at the youth center that Kat has set up for them. And Rocky and Adam come in to get Tommy. And Adam, props to Johnny Young Bosch, because I feel like his delivery was great where he was like, he turns to, to Rocky, he's like, this isn't going to go over well. <laughs> <laughs> like that we have to we have to interrupt and we have to and Tommy has to has to drop this girl again and he's like this isn't going to go over well and it was just that just felt like such a, like a real moment I really that truly made me laugh but again that's the point where they could have jumped in yes. and really can you stop doing that please? my son is being a little antsy that's okay. um like they could have totally just jumped in and been a bro and be like mm-hmm. Look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt this, but we really have an emergency. That can you stop? We're recording something. Thank you. Sorry, sorry we have a guest appearance by by Joe's son. It's yeah, all, it's all good. something <laughs> you have to look forward to. Um, I know we, but you yeah. know, our son is, is still young enough. We have we still have the gates, uh, you know, on, oh. on the, at the top of the stairs. <laughs> it's like you literally can't yeah, get down here. I miss, I miss those days. I miss the days of gates and. He's although now that. now a lot of times if I say like I'm going downstairs he's like I want to come too and he you know and that's fine and I've shown him all the I know I feel bad because it's like I have all these toys down here. <laughs> Look, all these figures <laughs> oh my goodness yes as, as you do and we and our people yeah, who are watching on a, YouTube can see right behind you yeah yeah no and there's so many more and they, when they were younger they were you know they're like but you have all these toys I'm like yeah but they're just to look at not to play with. So. But and I agree, like Rocky and Adam, they could have been bros. They 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 they, they didn't. But I, I gotta say, I think that the thing I was probably most impressed with uh, in in this arc was the maturity of Cat and the show. Because again, you know, you mm-hmm. watch this whole sequence where she's putting together this dinner, like this fancy dinner. She's you know setting the table and laying out all the utensils and then like it's it's a lovely presentation and she's getting all dressed up and. If it had been that she was just doing it for her and Tommy, it, you know, we would have gone along with it, right? And th- mm-hmm. they make you think that, right? Like Tommy shows up all dressed up because he got this invitation 
And then instantly she's like, oh, Mr. Oliver, you're, like, your table's ready. And you, you, know, you realize she set this up for, for the two of them. Right. Because even though she's developed these feelings for Tommy, she wants him to be happy more than anything else. And right. has seen him spending time with this girl and thinks that's what he wants. And I just thought it was, uh, again, surprisingly mature for the character and the show. And it really, really made me even more Team Cat. Yes, I agree with you. It was very much, it was like something out of um, Full House. You know, it was like Stephanie and DJ getting Uncle Jesse and Becky on a on a date after they had like an argument. You know, one of those types of things. And, um, you know, they both, they sent this person and that person uh, invitations to meet at this spot at the same time. They get there and the two of them meet like, oh, well, you're here. Oh, you're here. Oh, we might as well have dinner. One of those types of things. And, you know, it was kind of heavy handed in the fact that you start to realize like, oh, well, clearly Kat has feelings, but she is, again, like you said, she would much rather Tommy be happy than, you know, even if it means, you know, at the at the the price of her own uh, feelings. So, And to the show's credit, there's not a lot that's said about this they convey so much through her looks and you know she has a line to tanya where she's like because i think tanya says like oh like that was such a nice thing you did and she's like yeah or a stupid thing and yeah i appreciated the show not spelling it out a hundred percent for the audience because they could have and i feel like it it would have been in keeping with the show if she was like well because you know i actually really like like they didn't need to do that yeah you know again i i I think we we got a different amount of mileage out of (laughs) out of these episodes yeah yeah i i agree i agree uh one thing that that really uh kind of i I had a bit of you know started to remember with this show is that all of a sudden now we're getting more we're getting a lot of bulk and skull and their stories really have absolutely michael yeah Sorry, guys. That's okay. <laughs> um, have absolutely nothing to do with the story. Like previously, it was we have to find out who the Power Rangers are. That made sense. Okay, there's a connection to the to the larger arc. Now these two are just Abbott and Costelloing their way through the the show for no reason whatsoever, other than some type of comic relief. But it's just it it's not even funny though anymore. Like it didn't make any sense. Bulk cut his hair. I mean, look, for me at the time, I actually still had hair and it was long. And this is when Metallica cut their hair and then Bulk cut his hair. Like everyone with long hair was getting it cut. So this was a very hard time. For me. I understand. <laughs> I, I will say, I I do think the season where they were trying to figure out the Rangers identity, that was the best because we had moved past them as the bullies, but they still had a reason to be kind of in the mix and then with season three of Mighty Morphin, that's when they become members of the Junior Police Patrol, and that continues into this season. And later on, they'll they'll all get kicked off the force, and then Stone opens up a private detective agency, and they go to work there. And yes, they do become, I, I guess, more tangential. But I for and, and the audience has heard my evolution over the course of these episodes. I've I've really kind of come around on Bulk and Skull. I used to find them a lot more grating, and now I don't mind them so much. And some of their bits, I actually do find amusing. Uh, you know, in this stretch of episodes, this is the point where they still have Rito and Goldar who have lost their memories essentially as as pets. 
Uh, so, yeah. so there's that whole business. And of course they're, they're, you know, working for Lieutenant Stone who, again, I know I'm overthinking this and it's like, we have to have a setup and we have to have these episodes or, or, you know, storylines for Bulk and Skull, but it's like Bulk and Skull are so clearly incompetent yet Lieutenant mm-hmm. Stone continues to give them important missions. Right. Right. To, to, to watch over his flowers before the contest. And of course right. that goes awry because we have the defoliator who's killing plans. Uh, they have to sell these raffle tickets and they keep getting outsold by this guy named Del Mar who ends up being the son of the chief of police. Again, it's, you know, the like simple little, little comedic right. setups to these things, but it's just funny to me. It's like, if these guys are so inept, why, <laughs> like, why are you entrusting them with anything? <clears throat> I, I, even back then and now more so, I always thought, there has to be something more to these two characters for them to be there. I don't know if there's something behind the scenes. They had an intention of introducing them for a reason beyond just them being the silly bully types, um, just to kind of cause aggravation for their power Rangers and, and in their civilian, um, you know, identities because it, there really is no, reason for it because they just take well they take up time in the overall story arc you know like logically okay it's less time for them to create you know stuff so now they're it's filler basically but like god damn they could have done something different like it just you know their music is like goofy clown music do 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 you know like oh come on guys like I know. I mean, I think, yes, I think just from a practical standpoint, it, it was right to to kind of take up enough of the episode where it can alleviate yeah. them because they were cranking these out and, you know, filming multiple episodes in a week. And again, they weren't filming entire episodes, just the the pieces that they needed of, of the kids. And so, yeah, I think this kind of uh, just let some of that that weight and pressure off of the other actors. And, you know, they knew they had a few minutes of each episode yeah. that they could they could reserve for Bulk and Skull keeping in mind too it's like made for kids so this idea of like these two clowns <laughs> which is i don't think is inaccurate yeah. like kind of bumbling around like the kids will find that amusing i, I think narratively <laughs> we're really getting uh really getting into this here but i think i yeah, know we're really analyzing having having non-ranger characters just like normal people in this world i do think is helpful and gives you a little bit of context for how the world kind of kind of perceived as I mean one of the episodes that we looked at stone gives them this psychological evaluation and the Rorschach test and like everything they see is a monster but it's like yeah. in Angel Grove that's actually an advantage <laughs> because right. they're constantly yeah. under monster attacks I also yeah. and I don't know if this had been established previously but there's this whole siren system right like when the monster attack is over the like, yeah. the, the the alarm there's goes all off clear. yeah and it's like well I, that makes sense that they would have like yeah. they're constantly yes. under attack so, yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, so I, I, I've, I've come around a lot on Bulk and Skull, so much so that one of the only things I didn't like about Once and Always, because I, it was, I, I, I did an hour and a half on it. I, I loved it. But no Bulk and Skull. I mean, they had that little, you know, the billboard with them on it, but it was just yes. like, you know, I felt like it was missing a little something. As Yeah, and, you know, I, I, uh, I genuinely love that, that show. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot missing from it, you know, that I would love to have seen. And it's, you know, I, 
uh, for everything that um, that Jason, uh, uh, yeah, J- uh, Jason David Frank was a part of over the years, just all the side Power Ranger stuff that he's been involved in, it really bummed me out that he wasn't a part of this, which was filmed way before he passed away. So, you know, even his scenes, you know, were done, you know, that stuff was done way before. Um, and uh, I mean, I know that they, there were some issues with like Kimberly and negotiation wise, but like for to have not have Tommy in there, you know, in some form, I mean, he has a legacy morpher. I mean, he could have been in it and as two Rangers. So, you know, it, it was, it was, yeah, there, there was some elements that were really, you know, missing again though, but it did a great job. Um, a lot of fun. Even the chitty chitty bang bang car was cool. Um, and uh, Trini's daughter, I thought was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't listened to our episode on it, I, I encourage you to check it out. And, you know, one of the things just real quick that we, we, we did talk about was, yeah, I mean, we would have loved if all of the originals had been able to be there. Uh, yeah. And at the same time, though, it created space for Billy and Zach. And that was the one yes. thing that we, we, we uh, you know, kind of really came to in our discussion, which is, you know, if Tommy and Jason and Kimberly had been there, they would have dominated. And, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe they would have found a way to kind of spread the wealth among the characters. But out of necessity, it really became a Billy and Zach story. And it was, yeah. They hadn't been there since they left, you know, whereas, mm-hmm. I mean, not Amy Jo John, although she came back for the Turbo movie. So it's like all of the others yeah. have been back in some capacity over the years, but these two had not. So I think. You know, not the most ideal scenario, but I think they made the most of it. But in any event, you know, kind of circling back here, uh, you know, we've been spending the the majority of our time here on this. Uh, there's no business like snow business, but I do want to I do want to at least touch on this Arrowhead arc. So comprised of four episodes: Inner Spirit, Challenges, Found and Lost, and Brother, Can You Spare an Arrowhead? So this was a true arc. You know, not not a multi part event, but but a true arc. And it opens with, you know, we don't have to go scene by scene through the whole thing, but just like the setup for this, where Tommy's having this this nightmare, right? And he has, he's remembering uh, the Zeo quest that he had gone on during the Alien Rangers miniseries when he had been de-aged and was a kid. And he met Sam Trueheart, he gave him the arrowhead. Uh, and then he segues into this, uh, this, this nightmare scenario where the Zeo Zord, Zeo Megazord is being drained and damaged. Uh, and he goes to the command, the power chamber in the middle of the night and wakes up Alpha and they're, they're running these tests. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's 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 really kind of out of sorts. And then, of course, this coincides with this uh, Native American arts exhibit that's happening at the at the youth center. I mean, this youth center, man, is quite the hub. In the next episode, they're going to have boxing lessons led by by Lieutenant Stone, which I don't know if you yep. noticed his shirt, but Jerry the Rock Stone. Yeah. And man, did I get a kick out of that. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I noticed that uh, right off the bat. It was, it was pretty funny, but I, I always, it was very typical, like, you know, uh, police boxing. It, it, it's a very, it's like an old, not I'd say old trope, but it is, it's an old trope, but you know, the, the, the police in their spare time, what are they doing? No, they're boxing. You know, like old school, like boxing, like put up your dukes and, you know, big, uh, you know, gloves and stuff like that. And it's, um, you know, you're not letting me do this. 
<laughs> what what uh what made me laugh was it seemed like all they did for that whole first lesson was just jump rope it felt like that was all they and then at the end he's like i'll see you guys next week it's like you know they're really very methodical very slow you gotta train before you even pick up the gloves you yes. gotta really <laughs> yes it's not hard you how hard you hit that's right. Yeah, this Rocky fan was very pleased with this boxing episode. With Punch a Bunch yeah. was our was our villain for that one. So so again, it's like we do have this bigger picture of Tommy working through what he's working through. But within that, we get sort of like classic Power Rangers episodes, right? Like they're learning how to box, and then the villain is a boxer, and it you know right. the, the climax is this you know is this uh, you know boxing match <clears throat> you know between the Zord and the Moss. So all that stuff was fun, but. And, and again, just to kind of run down the villains real quick. So in the first episode, it's Main Drain, uh, who drains the power from the Zord, just like Tommy had had his dream about. And that necessitates calling in the the red uh, battle Zord that Tommy controls. Mm-hmm. But unlike the other ones that have a more of a mechanical uh, operation, this one is dialed into Tommy's mind and his emotional state. So since he's out of sorts, he, he has having a very hard time controlling the Zord until he realizes it's not about exerting control over the Zord, but rather becoming one with the Zord. And then he's able to of do course. what he needs to do. But right. this like performance anxiety that he has continues over a couple of episodes because they get to the point where they want to merge the battle Zord with the Z Omega Zord. And the interface yeah. isn't working because he just can't, he can't get himself together there. So I right. thought that I thought that played out well as a sort of the you know the consequence of the, his inner struggle. I thought this arc was good. It just went on too long. Like they really could have condensed it, uh, and it would have made it better. Um, there was too much of uh, you know you're spending like just the the shots or the scenes were just much longer than they needed to be, and like if if they were. If if each shot was half as long as it was, I think it would have been a much tighter. Um, the pace would have been faster. Uh, it would have exuded more emotion because if you're leaving, you know, you're hanging on these characters and they're still having a hissy fit. At some point, you come down from that. So I think just in terms of pacing a show, like they could have just made it a little bit faster, and it would have been a little bit more interesting, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. We're getting more of Tommy, his like family. Uh, he was adopted. Okay. You know, that came out, you know, like, Oh, well, Tommy was adopted. Okay, here we go. So, so apparently that, you're native American or something. I don't know what you are now. That, that too. So on that note, <laughs> so yeah, th- this whole thing where he's having this dream and then he runs into Sam Trueheart at this, Native American exhibit and gives him a ride. And then, you know, he just kind of like fades away and Tommy's very confused and, you know, they link up again and Sam sends him on this, you know, vision quest into the mountains and it gets interrupted at one point. Tommy has to teleport out and become a ranger. He goes back and, you know, he sees this other, this other man who looks just like him, who also fades away. And, you know, they eventually link up and we find out that this is his long lost brother, David Trueheart, who was adopted by Sam. And in that moment, Tommy goes, oh, I was adopted too. And I said, you were? And so I actually, so I reached out to one of our previous guests, Lance Laster from uh, the Always Hold On to Arrow podcast. And, you know, unlike ourselves who, 
watched for a time and then stopped and have been away from the franchise for a long time. Lance has continued watching. And so I always like getting his perspective because he, he knows far more. He's very knowledgeable about the franchise generally. And I said, I messaged him just like shortly before we did this and he then got right back to me. I was like, so when Tommy says he was adopted, was, was there any reference to this previously? And he, Lance was not 100% sure, but he, he didn't think so. So, and that's my instinct as well. It's like, I really feel like this was the first time this was, which is fine. I don't think there's anything that was ever said or established in a prior episode that contradicts it, but it just felt like this is, you know, this is pretty big information to just kind of like it throw is. out there. It is. It, it's something that should have come up in his relationship with Kim. You know, like when you're sharing information with somebody, certainly if you knew it, you know, um, and you're sharing personal bits and pieces of your, of your life, that's a big deal, you know, and that's something that should have come up in one way or the other. And just for it to be, you know, just to be kind of brought out as a plot point um you know just to move the story along like ugh, it was a little it was a little jarring you know um but i was i remember when when that character came out and then finding out later on like oh that was really his brother yep in real life so that was that was uh that was pretty interesting very interesting so david tommy's brother was played by jason david frank's real life brother eric frank who very sadly passed away in 2001 not too long after yeah. this and from what i was was reading online uh similarly had taken his own life just as jason mm. david frank would do far more recently so a very sad you know tragic family history there um yeah and i you know i was not aware of that and you know watching it as a kid i didn't have any conception that that was his actual brother you know you know playing him i mean you definitely see the resemblance but i you know mm-hmm. this was uh kind of new now as i was going through this again so yeah yeah very again very sad uh in in terms of the the, the real life family history but you know tommy connects with his brother who is also into martial arts and they spar at the youth center but David gets upset because he feels like Tommy is kind of, sh- you know, showing him up and embarrassed him and, you know, kind of laid him out. And then he's instantly captured by Mondo, uh, who is aware of this arrowhead. You know, Tommy and David each had half of this arrowhead and fused together. It has some sort of of power that Mondo wants to take for himself. So, you know, takes uh, David to force an exchange, which Tommy goes along with. Tommy makes a bad call here in thinking that Mondo will keep his word and release David. And of course he doesn't. Uh, and it turns out if you hold the arrowhead to a certain, a particular magical stone in the forest, you can command uh, all of these other monsters. And of course the Rangers are able to stop Mondo, but it was, right. what I thought was kind of cool was that it's not often you see the Rangers face to face with the big bad. Obviously they're fighting the right. minions constantly, but it's just like there were Mighty Morphin episodes we've covered recently where, or one in particular, where Tommy fought Zed. And it's like, this is amazing. Like, I can't, like, <laughs> this yeah. is incredible. Uh, so to see Tommy in particular, like, face-to-face with Mondo, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, especially since I was like, though that character doesn't exist in the United States in, in any form. I always thought it was just, you know, it was over in Japan somewhere. And... um like, oh, no, they actually got the that suit and brought it over. Same thing with, like, Goldar 
when um you know tommy uh when they started interacting with goldar and stuff like that and yeah so that was uh that's always interesting to see but at the same time you would think that okay this character has been trying to defeat the power rangers for you know a while now and he's a foot away from him just blast him you're done the series is over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know like you're, you you won buddy but no, I'm going to arrange a whole thing and um, it's going to be some convoluted story. But yeah, whatever. I said in the last episode that I think I'm coming to understand a little bit more why I stopped watching towards the end of Zio. And I, I feel like whether it was conscious or not, Mondo is not nearly as compelling. Mondo and Machina and Sprocket and Orbis and Clank are not nearly as no. compelling as Rita and Zed and Goldar and that whole crew. And I guess maybe I'm, I've warmed slightly to them. It's more, I've just gotten used to them. I think as I've been rewatching more of the Zio episodes, but yeah, they really don't hold a candle. And I think, I mean, it's, it's a matter of the, the personalities, but also at least with, with our previous crew with Rita, you saw her face. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, cause again, all of the other ones were, were masks and, and that was it. But but at least you had Rita and you had that emotion and that personal connection right. and that went a long way. And she was the representative for the group in that sense. And you don't have any of that here. Like they're all just the machines. No. Yeah. I don't, I will say that uh, Rita and then Zed, Zed more so in, in uh, uh, yeah, Zed, Th- Zed was the, the best villain in any of those shows. I mean, just style wise, holy cow, look at him. He's just sinewy muscle with, you know, you know, chrome stuff here and there. Um, I mean, that's totally badass. I mean, there's nothing more badass than that. Um, you know, and he's jacked for, I mean, first of all, look at that. But then I read the the reason of how he became that way in the in the comics. And that was even more metal. I was, holy cow, that was so cool. He was a good guy. You know, he's part of Zordon's crew. And then he got, he touched a thing and it made the thing and a little skin went away and all that. So, yeah, it, w- it was cool. So, like, any incarnation of these, like, you know, these goofy uh, robotic characters, I mean, they don't they don't really emote any type of, like, you know, evil um, emotion or feeling that has, you know, surpassed what Zed did. So... For sure. I will say the one thing, and I didn't realize this when we did our, our last episode, but I was looking up the the cast a little bit more. And in terms of the voices of the Machine Empire, Queen Machine is Alex Bornstein from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Really? Yeah, apparently she's a huge voice actor, which I didn't know. And she's done a bunch of stuff. That I knew she was into voice stuff because that's something I've been studying lately. But I didn't know she did that. I mean, I know Brian Cranston did a bunch of stuff there. Yeah. Um, which is why they brought him in. He was so willing to do it. But I didn't know she was. So there's but that. I guess there are a lot of people who've done voices on that show. And then Barbara Goodson, who did the voice of Rita, is Prince Sprocket. So so that's cool. So at least they kept, they kept her that's in the mix while Rita was off the board. But, you know, in, in any event... Uh, I mean, you know, this is a big development for Tommy. He had, there was a brother he never knew about and they, they are able to reunite and, you know, they end on this note of, well, what do we do with the, this arrowhead? And then they, you know, they, they have to pull it apart. So they, they each have their piece. Right. 
you know, and this seems to now have quelled the inner turmoil uh, within Tommy. He had, you know, there was this restlessness within him, I suppose. And now he found this other part of himself, this long lost family member. I assumed this was the last we ever saw of David, but I was wrong. David comes back in one more episode and I think he's just kind of there. I don't know that he has a huge role to play. I kind of was just kind of skimming through it quickly, but I think the purpose of that was, and we're going to get more into this. Our next episode is all about the gold ranger. And I don't know how well you recall. Maybe you don't remember because if you kind of stopped at this point, but no, I I remember the gold ranger. Um, and there was three, there were triplets that kind of were involved and then, Jason came back. Yes. Well, so and, we'll get in, we'll yeah. get more into this next time. But so essentially the gold ranger starts popping up and intervening in their battles. And it's a mystery to the characters and the audience who the gold ranger is. And yes, eventually we find out it's these, these triplets tray of Triforia. He can't maintain the power. And that's when Jason comes in, but there's this run of episodes where we and the rangers don't know who the gold ranger is yet. And they were throwing a number of red herrings and different options at us. And I, my understanding is that's in large part why David came back in that episode when the gold Ranger was running around, it was like, Oh, maybe it's him. Okay. They heavily hinted. It was Billy. I mean, this is one of the memories I have from watching as a kid. I should save this for the next episode, but whatever we're here when like there was one episode in particular where like everyone looked at Billy and he had like this kind of like sly look on his face. And that was the, that was the frame that they ended on. And I remember yeah. my actually normally I watch by myself, but I remember my parents were watching with me for that particular one. And I remember turning to them like, Billy's the gold ranger. Like I was so excited. And clearly that's not the direction that they went in. But uh, yeah. but so I think that's why he came back because it was kind of like, oh, maybe he's the gold ranger. So he did have at least one other appearance. So that's kind of cool that it wasn't just, you know, the contained to it. Cause like this is a major life development. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was um yeah, I don't want to get ahead of you, but um yeah, that was that was a cool character. I liked him because it was the equip it was the Zeo equivalent of of like the the white and green ranger. You know. So so well listen, I enjoy talking about these. I know they weren't your favorite episodes. I also know, again, to just kind of be dropped in to these episodes in particular, you know, I, I could see how that might make it a little bit harder to get into them. I, I certainly, from my perspective, having rewatched a lot of these and uh you know, very recently, like it was, it was just cool again to see this more personal approach. And they made a number of choices that I was, I was actually impressed by, uh, despite the various, uh, you know, mm-hmm. limitations and, and head scratching moments that we talked about. But, uh, I don't know this, I, I really, I had fun with my rewatch of these. I'll leave it at that. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy going back and rewatching this stuff because again, like same as I said last time, I'm looking at these with like a different set of eyes. Um, I am, you know, as a, as a kid, or I wasn't really a kid when these were out, I was a little bit older, older than probably I should have been watching them. Um, I just watched to be entertained and didn't really, um, think of it really beyond what I was looking at. Now I look at it and it's interesting because I'm like, wow, you know, there, there was a noticeable difference in, you know, the production value between, uh, you know, seasons prior and this and that, and, you know, like different stuff here and there. So, um, it, it was definitely a great watch. Well, I, the last thing I'll say is I think another interesting aspect is that by the end of Mighty Morphin, they were shooting so much of their own footage. I mean, it's like other than the Zord stuff, essentially. I mean, when you look at all of the Ranger battles, because again, as we've said a million times, 
White Ranger came from a different Super Sentai series than the rest of Mighty Morphin. So it's like any time you saw the entire team together, which was a lot, it yeah. was it was American made footage. So I yeah. think now what we're seeing in Zeo, and I guess we'll continue in the subsequent seasons, is more like what we got at the beginning of Mighty Morphin, where it's really primarily the the you know them as civilians. That's the original footage, and then the rest is um, is, is a Japanese footage. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe there's a little bit of that kind of going around because we had gotten so used to a slightly different mode of production and storytelling, and, and now it's kind yeah. of like shifting back a little bit. But one last thing that I've noticed: apparently, the sun is never out in Japan. It's always overcast. Like it'll be sunny as hell in Angel Grove, but then as soon as they morph and they're clearly it's not their footage, it is an overcast day. I know why they do that in terms of shooting because there's you don't have to worry about lighting, but like in terms of continuity, <laughs> like that always like drives me bananas. Yes. No, I hear you. I hear you. So the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast, you guys interview legendary and current comic book creators. Uh, the inside the actor studio of the comic book world, I believe is how oh, you guys you build yourselves. So, uh, and I, I, and I agree with that description. So, uh, for people who want to find and follow the show, where would you like to direct them? Uh, Dollar Bin Bandits on YouTube. We are, if you go to uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, find us in Dollar Bin Bandits. Uh, Dollar Bin Bandits on Spotify. Uh, Dollar Bin Banter is our group on Facebook, our group page. So definitely check that out. People who like comics, who want to discuss uh, any comics that they bought or, you know, they found in their collection, um, definitely check that out. So we're out there in any form. Awesome. Uh, well, I hope everyone will check out your podcast and connect on social media. And I thank you very much for joining me for this. I enjoy talking about it. And I'm glad that we got to have you back to actually talk about the show. Thank you so much for having me back. Audience, thank you as always for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Make sure you come back in two weeks for our next all new episode. As teased, we will be concluding our look at the Zio era, the Zio season. And in particular, we'll be focusing on the Gold Ranger. Uh, which I'm very excited. I haven't done my rewatch yet, but I'm very excited to get into those episodes and to talk about them. So make sure you come back. And of course, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.